Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Anxiety in the heart of a man weighs it down, but a good word makes it glad. Welcome, friend, to the Move Your Heart podcast. My name is Val Brown, and I'm your host. And today I have the special honor of having an author, Barbara Isaac Croce, to the program. We're going to introduce Barb pretty shortly, but I want to tell you that she has been an important person in my life, a friend of about 41 years, but also such an encourager. And the word that she's going to bring today, I know, is going to lift your heart. And if you came in with anxiety or hopelessness, that's okay. That's just how you are at the moment. But I can guarantee you, if you come in with an open heart and respond to the words that you hear, you won't leave the same way that you came in. We're so glad that you're here. Welcome to my friend, Barbara Croce. How are you, my friend? I am well. It's so good to see you, Val. <laughs> it's so good to see you, too. You moved away from cold Pennsylvania. Now you're in sunny Florida. That but just doesn't seem fair. I'm wearing a sweater today. It's not so sunny today. <laughs> <laughs> not so sunny. Okay. You don't make me feel so bad because I'm wearing my sweater and it's uh, a little less than even not sunny. <laughs> but it's not so bad. It's not so bad. But I want to introduce our uh, listeners to a book that you just wrote, and it is absolutely beautiful even to look at. It's called A Journey into Hope, and this is an interactive journal for women. And inside, I have to say, this is, this, these are little snippets into your life. I, I know that uh, this comes from years of, of blogging. And uh, what was the name of your blog? Tell our listeners. My blog used to be called My Life as an Adventure. Mm. So I, I, I noticed the word just today, it dawned on me. You didn't use the words, my life is an adventure, but my life as an adventure. So it almost seems to yeah. me like you were looking at your life as an unfolding adventure. Isn't it so like for all of us, you know, we don't know what's around the corner, but uh, we can make choices and we can make it exciting. And uh, yeah, really. So in, in, in my blog, I'm very good at telling, telling on myself once I'm on the other side of difficulties. I kind of just hold on to, to my darkness when I'm in the dark and I just work it out with the Lord on my own. But then once I'm on the other side, I want to tell the world that you can get on the other side, you know. Oh, and yes. I process things with words. So that's basically how for... I don't know. I don't know how many years, maybe 20 or 25 years I've processed things in my life through a blog. And uh, I must have had thousands of entries. I don't know. I never mm -hmm. did them because I did one a week for a long time. <laughs> so anyway, I eventually um, dismantled my blog, but I kept the entries and um, I've been nudged by different sisters in the Lord to actually write this book. So I just picked my favorite 165, and that's how this oh book came out. 
Oh my gosh, that must have been hard to narrow that down to 165 little snippets from your life and your blog. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's highly personal. I mean, when you read this book, you'll know me from top to bottom. <laughs> Uh, and what a delight that is. Yes, yes. I have to say that when I got my, my journal in the um, Amazon delivery, um, I really didn't want to just just start from the beginning, but I kind of just opened up pages. And I have to say that reading the story and then looking at the questions, I didn't, I didn't write the questions. I'm not ready to start writing just yet since I just got your book this week. But I have to say that I felt my heart being tugged and I felt the emotions that you describe. You describe them so well so we can easily insert ourselves into the story and even think about maybe some similar instances in our own life. Yeah, I mean, that... we're all women. Yeah, we're all women, right? And yeah. we're not, I'm not special, you're not special. We all go through the whole gamut of emotions and uh, yeah. we have to make sense of them and know how to process them so we live well. Mm -hmm. And I'm a, I'm a certified life coach, so that has helped a lot in uh, framing pictures so that the reader can... Uh, can find a way out of their own situation where they're at, you know, can find mm -hmm. a, a different perspective, basically. Because mm -hmm. we don't find a way out, out of our situation. Situations are what they are, and they may never change. But what can change is our perspective and how we look at them. And that's right. what I try to do with the book. Right. I, I know uh, some, many, Many trials or many circumstances are just so difficult. They're difficult mentally. They're very difficult emotionally. Sometimes uh, they affect our physical bodies. They come in the form of relationships and hardships and, and things like that. And I, I confess, you said about confessing, you tell on yourself, but one of the things that I first react like in a trial, I want to run from it. I want to just pick up and I want to go away. Just just go away. Yeah. Whether it's uh, from a person or uh, from the circumstances, it's like, I don't want to be here. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. <laughs> yeah, I know. And, and, and that's okay because we all have different ways to respond to the pain, you know. And not everything is painful in life. There's delightful experiences. Yeah. I have a lot of delightful things in that book too. But the pain is real. And uh, at some point you can run, but at some point you're going to have to face it if you want to live well, you know, if you want to make it through to the other side emotionally and spiritually and mentally, you're going to have to deal with it. Mm -hmm. Yes, I like it that you said about processing emotions. It doesn't do us any good, does it, to suppress the emotions? What happens if we don't process what we're feeling? Well, what happens in your life when you don't process what you're feeling? Eventually you blow up or you grow bitter. You grow extremely bitter against the people that you might have issues with or against God or against yourself or life itself. And so... I think what's most important in our life is, is our heart, is how to keep and train our heart and to keep it soft so that we can hear the Lord and so that we can make life be an adventure and enjoy everyday life in, in, the, in the good, in the bad and in the ugly, because all of it happens to us, you know.
It does. It does. Uh, one of the things that Jesus said before he went away, and it's in John sixteen thirty three, he says, in the world you will have tri- tribulation, but um, is it take heart, I have overcome the world? Yeah. Actually, yeah. actually, I have it, have it marked. It says, um, these things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage, I have overcome the world. So um, even Jesus himself is admitting that life's going to be hard. It is. But yeah. I have some answers, and the answers yeah. are in me. And that's the thing. He gives you the key right there. He tells you trouble is coming, but there is a key. There is a key. You're not yes. without help. And that's the whole point. We're not without help. If we're willing to process the difficulties through the word of God and through God himself and our relationship with him, then it changes everything. Right, right. So in other words, the difficult circumstance is going to come. And probably there's going to be something daily, even if the toaster isn't working or the car doesn't start or traffic is a problem. There's going to be something every single day that could stop us. And sometimes the difficulties are really, really hard. But it probably, I'm I'm guessing, I'm going to ask, ask you as a life coach and someone who's trained her heart, does the severity of the hindrance or the obstacle or the trial um, make it so it's a different technique dependent really? on you know i don't think things. so i remember when my kids were little we had a little boy come over and he um he got a splinter on his toe on his mm. foot from a deck and he screamed like you would think he was dying he totally was dying but in his mind he was dying so in his mind, it was serious. And us grown up who have had many experiences, we know, you know, you're going to live through this. It's okay. You're not going to die. But he didn't see it that way. No. And I think it's so important for us to realize that whatever's happening in the moment to someone, it matters. It's it a does. big deal for that person. And we can't belittle it because we know that they'll survive it. It's real to them. You know, mm-hmm. and but that's not really an answer to your question. You ask whether it's a different technique if things are difficult, if it's a serious difficulty or not. My first answer is there are no levels of difficulties. And my second answer is, no, it's the same thing. It's mm-hmm. the same. We, we, we overcome by, it, it, the word of God says, by the blood and by the word of the testimony. And you can translate that in my book. We overcome by the presence of the Lord and by what comes out of our mouths because of how we've trained our hearts. Mm-hmm. I know that um, Psalm forty-two eleven goes along with with what you do as a life coach, but also what you're doing in your book. Do you have that in front of you? If not, I... I don't, I can... but hopefully I have it memorized. Let's try this. <laughs> are you are you checking me? Are you opening it? If not, I do have that. But... Why are you in despair, oh my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. Okay, Something let's... Yeah, let's let's tear that apart. So we have a very real person. We have David. So he had some pretty terrible circumstances. I mean, people were hunting Actually, him down. It's to... not even David who wrote that one. It's oh, the it son wasn't of 
something. Cora. Not David. But oh, anyway, probably. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's a real person for real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oop, I got over in the wrong, wrong book here. So, okay. So he's asking his soul. So he's checking in with his soul. Is that one of the first things that you think is important to do is to discover what we're feeling and why? Yeah. So why are you in despair? So first of all, the despair is there and you notice it and you know that little unease that comes to you. Like the other day I was with someone and I said something and it was just the wrong thing. And I knew it before it came out of my mouth, but it came out of my mouth anyway, because I wanted to say it. And then you have that heaviness, you know, say, oh, I can't believe I said it. I'm so sorry. And I can't take it back. I just said it, you know. So, I mean, this wasn't, why are you in despair? Oh, my soul. But it's like, what's wrong with you? Why can't you control your mouth? Kind of. (laughs) So the first thing is to recognize, okay, we have an issue here. Either I'm desperate or I just sinned or I just totally blew it, you know. And, and we have to recognize it. And then we have to start working with what God says. Why are you in despair, oh my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Like hope in God. You have hope. There is a place to go. I will praise him again. And I will look at what he says to determine how I'm supposed to feel. Mm-hmm. And that's what I found in all of my life, really. Because there are some situations and circumstances that... We just don't understand. We don't understand. We don't get the answers. It's like God is silent. And and it's so frustrating because we don't know where to go. And I have had a few of those just this last couple months with my mom passing away. And in that situation, the answer is, what can I trust about my God? When I can't trust my feelings, I can't trust my own explanations, I can't trust anything. And then he will put something in your heart. And for me, the particular thing he put in my heart at that moment is, I am a fair judge and I am Mm. merciful. And that was enough to settle my heart. My question was, I don't know whether my mom is in heaven or not. I don't know where she is. And I had no, no no way of finding out the answer. God didn't speak to me, so I couldn't make it up, you know. And how do you live with that? How do you live with the thought that your mother might not be in heaven? How do you do that, you know? Yes. And my answer was, my answer was, God is merciful and a fair judge. And that was enough to get to be the umbrella over all of my feelings, over all of my questions. And that was enough to settle me so that I was completely fine. So the question didn't go away. I still don't have my answer, but I don't need the answer because I got the bigger answer. I know that God is merciful and he's a fair judge and that's good enough. I don't need to know more than that. That is so excellent. It really is. It really is. I love that. One thing that not all of our listeners would be practiced in in doing would be knowing that God is someone that they can come to. Mm-hmm. You know, we yeah. don't we don't get a lot of God as our focus anymore, yeah. especially the, the the younger folks. The they're just not being trained in the ways of God, and people have moved away from God a bit, but our trials and our difficulties are looming so big, and that's the first 
hope that we have to have is that we do have a very real God that we can come to. You know, there is a very real God who is in control of everything, but yet there's a very real broken world that for a time will play out. There are, are, are wicked people who will do wicked things. There are, there's sickness, there's, there's death, there's tears, there's questions like the questions that you had. Uh, there's, there's a lot of situations that will break our hearts. You know, it's just a, a lot of brokenness. But we, we, can, we can find God. What would you say to somebody who maybe doesn't have that as a practice or doesn't have that awareness? Well, the first thing is, do you even know him? You know, he has given his son so that you can have a relationship with him. And that's what we in Christianese call being born again. We come to a relationship with God because we have been forgiven of our sins. But if we talk to people who have been born again and who have God as their father but don't have a practice of it, I think it's almost like, it's a little dance where you learn to, I, I want to use the word tame, but tame is the wrong word. You, use, you, you practice getting to know him. He knows you fully already, but you can start with, first of all, his word, because his word clearly explains who he is and it's his love letter to us. But it's also conversations with him, speaking with him, recognizing that, asking him to give you little love notes throughout the day. I did this to, I said this to a person the other day. I said, watch for God's love notes. And she answered back. She said, what are you talking about? Well, I don't, I don't even know what you said. I said, oh, if you just open your eyes, you will see he loves you so much. He's going to line up things for you today that are just so incredible from maybe your, your best cookie to who knows, a phone call from a friend, you know, open your eyes, open your ears and ask him, ask him to show himself to you because it's not your responsibility. You don't have to make things happen. God wants you. He just delights in you and he seeks to love on you at all times. So if you just open your heart a tiny bit, he's going to rush in like a river. There's been uh, probably a multitude of people, thousands probably, who have just gone outdoors and said, God, I don't even know if you're there, but if you're there, would you, would you show yourself to me? And that prayer has been answered so amazingly. It's just like what you said. Then all of a sudden you begin to see him because you're looking for him. And like you said, he wants to make himself known. What you focus on grows, you know, that's the truth. And I don't know if it's a story in my book or not, but about poison ivy, I can't remember if it's in there, but I had two children who got poison ivy at the same time. And one of them said, oh, that's just not fun. And he went out and played basketball. And my other one, my daughter, was all about the poison ivy. And she kept looking at it and she scratched it and she got so involved with it, it wound up, she wound up with a staph infection and had to go to mm-hmm. ER and it was this huge thing. But what you, what you focus on grows, you know? If you focus on all the darkness in your life, that's all your eyes will see because we're trained. This is how God made us. He yes, made yes. us to to become what we look at. But if you look at God the whole time and his goodness and his character, that's what will grow in your life. And that's yeah. a matter of perspective. And so we train ourselves. We train our hearts to look a certain way. There's no magic. 
you know, this <laughs> book is called A Journey into Hope. But hope is not magical. Hope is not something that's going to fall out of the sky one day. Hope is something that you train yourself to walk into. Mm. And that's mm. why I have all, the, all these little questions after each little snippet to help women train themselves. Nobody's going to do it for you. You got to do the work. But train themselves to look at things in view of God, in view of hope. Mm-hmm. So what you're saying to us, that hope isn't in our circumstance. It's not that everybody else has it easier than I have. So yeah. I can't have hope until I get a job. I can't hope have hope until my husband gets saved. I can't have hope until my children turn around and aren't, aren't walking the way they're walking anymore. So it's not situational? No, it's not. It's not. It's how can thing. it not be? How I, mean, I can hear just people saying, "How can it not be? How can I have? How can I have hope in my terrible circumstance?" Because your hope, if if hope depends on your circumstance, you are a very, very, very poor woman, because circumstances can be great or not the next day, you know. And and you can look at Ruth. She, I mean, look at Naomi. She lost her life in five verses. Her entire life was finished in five verses. She lost her husband. She lost her, her two sons and, and she was destitute. Five verses, her life turned around. So her hope couldn't be in that. But if your hope is in the God of your father, the God who is God and never changes, you know, then, then it doesn't depend on your circumstance. It just doesn't. I love it that you brought up Naomi. That couldn't be more perfect because Naomi, when she went back home, she said, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, which means bitter. So her circumstances made her bitter. Yeah, but look at that very moment. At the moment she said, call me Mara, she had Ruth with her who decided to give up any future for herself and cling to her mother-in-law to be provisioned to her mother-in-law. So Naomi could have seen that she had provision, but she didn't. Later on, it changed. But she, she saw her circumstance and she called herself bitter. But she could have seen her circumstance as, look at that, I lost everything, but Ruth decided to stay with me. She could have. Right. Right. One one good thing that Naomi did is she knew enough to go back to the God of her people. So she didn't realize she really was making a move toward God. And that really was her path toward help. But you're right. She had help right there with her. She had hope in this young daughter-in-law who refused to stay with her own people and said, I'm going to, I'm going to stay with you wherever you go. I'm going to go. And, and she did become provision for Naomi and Jesus came through that lineage of this, this woman who lost everything. So isn't that a story of God changing everything around? Yeah. Yeah. Ah. Such a perfect example. I love that. So even if our circumstance really is just a bitter pill to swallow, the first thing is to realize there's hope. It it doesn't mean it's going to stay this way. Or even if somebody does receive really bad news and it looks like it's it's going to even take their their lives or life, even in that, 
Isn't there hope for each day? Isn't there a way to live in each day? I guess, I guess it's important to define what hope means. Yes. You know? Because in, I guess we've been trained to think that hope is wishful thinking. Oh, I hope, I hope it's going to be sunny tomorrow. Oh, I hope I get a balloon for my birthday. I wish, yeah. I wish this, this is what I want, but that. That is neither here or there. Maybe it will be sunny tomorrow, but maybe it will rain. Maybe you'll get a balloon, but maybe you won't. But hope is a legitimate expectation of good. And why do we as children of God have a legitimate expectation of good? That's the question we must answer. And the answer is because we're children of God. And he has chosen to love us and he will love us till the end. Whatever we behave, whatever we say, he has chosen us and we are his prized possession. Mm -hmm. So because of that, we have a legitimate expectation of good because God will never, ever, 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 ever leave us. So that is why we have hope. But we have to train ourselves to think that way. Yes. And isn't his name the God of hope? Yeah, he is. Yeah, it is. And that's one of the characteristics of his very, very spirit, the very spirit of a man. He, I I was trying to identify that, like, we can say that she is a very loving woman. And of God, we can say, he's a very loving being. And in him is found hope and in him is found joy and peace yeah. and all of these things. It's called the fruit of the spirit. It's the spirit that God operates from. It's his character. So if nothing else, if there's nowhere else we can find hope, it's in God himself. That's our point today, isn't it? Yeah. And you say it's the fruit of the spirit, which brings another point, you know, fruit doesn't just happen on wishful thinking. You know, fruit only comes because sap comes into the tree and the tree is nourishing itself and therefore it will bear fruit. So you can't make yourself bear fruit. You can't make yourself bear hope. But you can draw from the the vine, you can draw sap from God and be full of sap and then you're going to bear the fruit of hope. You can't help it. It's just one and one equals two, you know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And and going with your analogy there, the the tree does have roots, doesn't it? And in God, we we have to go really deep sometimes, but it starts just with a a, a little bit and and then it just keeps continuing. So the more we work with God as our hope or looking away from our circumstance, doesn't it get richer and easier and you can extract the good from this circumstance? But God doesn't belittle the small beginnings. No. You know, we all have to start with putting one foot in front of the other and falling down many times. We all do. Then nobody is more yeah. special than someone else. So God does not despise the beginning steps. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I, you know, Jesus himself, it, it says in Isaiah that he was uh, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, but it says that it was our sorrows and our grief that he carried. So he is a God who definitely understands when our hurting or when our circumstances feel hopeless. He's not going to, he's not going to say, why don't you straighten up or why don't you have faith? 
the 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 way of God is that we would come to Him, and then we would let Him begin to work with our our hurting heart, and yeah. um, answer or have us ask those questions. He's not afraid of questions, is he? No, he's not. He's not. Questions are great. He asks questions of us. If you look through the Bible, yeah. he's not afraid of questions at all because it shows our heart. You know, when we are asked, and that's what I do with this book. I ask questions. So that you can see what's inside of you. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It, it's it's really good. Okay. So I definitely want to um, look at your book here pretty directly, but I also want our listeners to learn a little bit about you. So you have an accent, and let me read your short bio here. It says. On the back of the book, Barbara is a lover of God, a certified life coach, and a bookkeeper. Born and raised in Europe, she has now been married for 43 years and is blessed with three adult children and nine and one-half grandkids. And she lives in Leesburg, Florida with her husband, Rich, and great Dane Minnie. So you... uh, originated in Europe, but you are sitting in USA. So tell us a little bit about your story. Can you take us back to the beginning? And so I, uh, I come from Belgium, Belgium, and in Belgium we speak French, and that's what you hear. Well, we speak French and Flemish, but I came from the French-speaking part of Belgium, and that's what you hear is French in my accent, but it's kind of a mixture of many things because I've been here for so long, but that is what you hear. And... Um, I, the Lord got a hold of me when I was 16 and I met my husband who was an American in the military in Europe and he was in Germany. And so uh, we got married and one year after, when we were married for a year, we went and lived in Canada for one year and then it's a long story, but the Lord told us to move to Indiana, Pennsylvania, where we stayed for 41 years. And now we just moved to Leesburg, Florida. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and there's a lot compressed into those yes. few <laughs> statements, isn't there? <laughs> yes, yes. But how did you come to know the Lord? That's such a sweet, sweet story. Oh. Um, my sister had a friend. But it was in the 70s in Europe. And back then in Europe, it was all about the Jesus people okay. uh, in, in, the, in the Christian world, the Jesus people. And they were also cool because they wore jeans and they played the guitar. And it was just very attractive to a teenager. And I was 16 years old. And my sister had a friend who was a Jesus, Jesus freak, Jesus person. And uh, that friend gave my sister a book. And it was full of stuff about Jesus and pictures. And I just uh, lived through the book and saw pictures of people worshiping. And those pictures were gorgeous. Like they were young people, their hands raised up, their eyes closed, their smiling faces. And I thought, that's like all fake. This is so fake. This is so unreal, you know, Um, because it didn't make sense that people would be so beautiful. So then a little while back, I don't, later, maybe a few weeks or months, I don't know, uh, the Jesus people had a concert Ooh. and I was invited to go. And that was cool. You know, I thought, sure, I'll go to the concert. And But in the back of my mind, I thought, I'm going to go and I'm going to watch them to see whether that's fake, all those pictures okay. of fake, you know. So I went and there was a, a concert. But before the concert, there was a time of worship. And... Uh, 
they were worshiping and I kept my eyes wide open. I looked mm -hmm. at everybody around me and I found that they all had this, this thing about them. I mean, I don't even know, I don't know if it was a glow, but there was something about them that certainly wasn't in me. That was very clear. I didn't have that. And I thought, I want that. I want it so bad. I want to have what they have, you know? <laughs> I don't know if why I wanted it, but I wanted it so bad. And, and I knew that the book wasn't fake, you know? So uh, there was a, an altar call and I, and I gave my life to Jesus that night. And then the concert went away. And because I was with my friend and I was waiting for a ride, I had to stick around, you know. And all these girls sat together on the floor and held hands and were praying at the end of the concert. So oh I was in the middle of them and I did the same thing, you know, because I didn't know what else to do. I was a brand new Christian. Yeah. And uh, when we were done praying, this one girl who I had told not, no one about the book, no one at all, not one person. This one girl looks at me and she says, you know what, you look so different. I said, what are you talking about? She said, there's just something about you. Go look in the mirror. And I felt so stupid, but I went and looked in the mirror and I saw in my face, whatever it is, what I saw in all those oh faces. Gosh. And that was just, that's a sweet story, but it's the <sighs> truth. It's a hundred percent the truth. <laughs> Oh, wow. Wow. So we, we have uh, come to know that that's the spirit of God coming inside of us. And it, it shows up on our face and our whole being, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, we definitely want to make sure that we, uh, we pray for our listeners who may not want to know, uh, may want to know the Lord in that very same way before we close our conversation today. Yeah, that is such a precious story. It really is. I love had, it. Had I never told you that? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I know. I'm still learning about you, aren't I? <laughs> yeah. And you're married to Rich. Mm -hmm. Uh huh. And he's retired as well. And you have some grandchildren. So, and as you said, uh, nine and a half grandchildren. It means there's another. No, there's not another one on the way, but there is a, a little girl who's been fostered for over a year now and oh. it looks like she might become a part of our family so that's why it's nine and a half. <laughs> oh, that is so precious what a great family to come into too it really is true all right so what has your uh, relationship with the lord meant to you that's a loaded question i mean i don't know i don't know how to function apart from it it's not what it's meant to me it's it's my life, truly. I mean, I do a lot of things. I'm an extremely busy person, but everything I do is filtered through my relationship with the Lord. So mm -hmm. what it's meant to me, what it is, is it is who I am. That's all. <laughs> I don't know how else to answer that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that because he becomes um, the fiber of our being, doesn't he? Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But uh, looking at your, your book again, uh, A Journey into Hope, but truly, if somebody does want to know what walking with the Lord does look like, they can really see in the pages of your book, because you have so many circumstances in here. Some of them happen to other people. And then there's um, snippets that uh, you have uh, written about as well and, and recorded for us. And one of them is about your knee replacement. Would it be possible to um, have you read what you wrote about your knee replacement, its title, and then maybe um, talk about some of the questions? Because I'm sure those questions might be 
questions that you had to ask yourself. Heck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought so. So I'm going to read with glasses, you know. Yes. Why do you have to hurt me so much? Going through knee rehab PT after a double knee replacement is not for the faint of heart. I find myself dreading the inevitable pain that comes with each session. On this particular day, my heart was full of complaints. How necessary is this stretching, I ask, trying too hard to sound sweet. Indispensable, she answers emphatically. Our window of time to get your muscles to work normally is short. I smile weakly, take a deep breath and nod. The torture starts again. You are fighting me tooth and nail, she says. How am I fighting you? I don't even know what you mean, I reply curtly. I don't like the aggravation I hear in my voice, but it's there nonetheless. Eventually, the session ends and I am relieved. Spending time in the presence of my father the next morning, I hear the most shocking words fill my being. Lean into the pain. Yield to it. None of this makes sense to my mind, yet my spirits bear witness to the truth. As the day progresses, he tells me more. Lean into the pain for the joy set before you. Yield to the discipline of trusting me. Go through to the other side. Don't stay here. Discover peace that passes understanding. Worship, worship, worship. Let go of fear. I've got this. Feed on my faithfulness. As the day progresses, my yes is building muscles. I will be ready for my next session. And believe me, the next session, I worshipped, worshipped, worshipped. <laughs> oh, good for you. Good for you. So there's, there's a lot here. This is definitely one of the, the devotions that I looked at. And I'm one that when I'm reading scripture, I like to look at the verbs. And so the verbs in what you wrote as, as the word of the Lord to you really caught my attention. Where it, it, he said to you, lean into the pain. So what does it mean to lean into the pain of these difficult circumstances? What does that look like? That means don't fight it, you know, don't fight it because, well, you know, when you're in pain and you find it, it's physically, I mean, physically, it hurts even more. So just let it, let it wash over you. Let the grief, if it's grief, you know, let the grief wash over you. Let yourself be in the pain. Let yourself be in the pain. Okay. Okay. And it says for the joy set before you, is there... Is there always a glimpse of joy ahead or does it have to start with maybe something can change? Maybe it can start as a little hope, but not, not joy. But the Lord knew you and he knew your relationship. So he knew he could get you to actually full on heart joy. But for somebody who's not experienced again, walking yeah. with the Lord, if you say lean into the pain, there there's something that they can look forward to or there's something that they're walking toward, right? I mean, this was specifically uh, stretching the muscles that had been cut during the surgery. So leaning into the pain is let the pain do its work in you so that the muscle can work again afterwards. So, but if you fight it, then you won't let the person who's pushing you won't let that person do the work so that the muscle can back can get back where it is. And so sometimes the pain of repentance or the pain of um, 
recognizing, oh man, I screwed up or the pain, any kind of pain, it's good to accept it so that we can move on to the next thing. Does it make sense to you what I'm trying to say? It, it does. And for me, what that looks like is it's acknowledging to the Lord that something really hurts. Like sometimes yeah. I've gone to him and I, I, I will be, be so, so broken. And I'll say, God, this, this hurts so much. Yeah. And for me, leaning into that pain is admitting to myself and to God too, God, this just hurts so much. And then the joy that comes is that he begins to comfort me. Yeah. He begins to love on me. So that's what, what happens to me when I'm leaning into the pain, so to speak. But what I'm merely doing is just saying how it is, but letting myself feel it and, and talking to the Lord about it. And I know I'm coming to a very real person who's listening and wants me to express my heart because then he can touch my heart in a very real way. And he doesn't want us to be strong on our own. Because he knows we can't. You can be strong for a while or you can appear strong, but eventually you're going to break, you know. Because right. we were made for relationship with him. We were made for depending on him. We weren't right. to make it on our own. That's right. That's right. And that brings me right to the, the next sentence there. And it says, yield to the discipline of trusting me. Whenever thing is really right in my life and in most of our lives, we tend to trust in the circumstance like um, the money's coming in nothing's breaking down the relationships are doing good and maybe we can drift away from talking to God because we're trusting in the circumstances they're just good not that we mean to to sometimes walk away but it's those circumstances when they come up and especially the ones that um really stop you like something's gotta happen here I can't go on like this then there is that that going to him and having that conversation having that that time of sitting with him and then we're put back into right right relationship and then all of a sudden we're able to hand things over and to trust him to work them out yeah so here specifically again it was the pain of being stretched physically having the knee being stretched and the muscles around the knee being stretched and I had to yield to to God to trust that this was going to be good because otherwise why would I put myself through that and yeah. sometimes God is um is disciplining us not not in a way you bad girl not like that but I want to teach you self-control. So you're going to have to deny yourself sweets, for example. You're going to have to deny yourself sugar because for a while because I want to teach you that I can be your sugar, that, that you can have control in me. Well, there is pain in the discipline. You know, it's not comfortable for your flesh. So I have to trust the discipline that he is imposing on me for good, that it is for my good. And it was for my good for my knees. But at the moment, it hurts so much that you would rather not have the pain than have the fruit later on, you know. But the fruit doesn't come without the pain sometimes. (laughs) That's right. That's right. And whenever um, 
in the context of, of God and discipline, it's not the same thing as like a parent giving the spanking or the, the timeout or whatever that looks like. But it it has the root word of discipling, which is teaching. So isn't he very gently teaching us something as he walks yes. us through these circumstances? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then I love the next part. It says, don't stay here. It isn't God, the relationship with God always fluid and isn't life always fluid? Yes. Yeah. I mean, we only go through things to the other side, right? If we didn't think there was an end, that would be really hard. <laughs> we go through things. We go through things. That means we are, there's a point A, a point B, and then the end. And it's the through. It's not a forever. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And that's, that's actually really good news, especially in these things that we don't want to be in. That's for sure. Yeah. And then the next thing is discover peace. Isn't there a discovery in these, these hard life circumstances like you've written in the book? Yeah. You're discovering something. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And it's something- the adventure that's worth it. You know, yeah. that's worth it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And in some of these things that you've written about, I imagine that we're discovering some things about ourselves. Maybe we didn't know we had that strength. Maybe we didn't know we had that character defect that, ooh, that's not so pretty, or uh, the self-reliance or whatever that is, isn't um, trials. Isn't it like a furnace? It, uh, it kind of burns away. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It actually really is good. And then um, you said about worship, and that is getting our eyes on, on him. Yes. And like you said, we're not meant to do life alone, but we are are meant to do life with him. It's not because he is this um, narcissist. I did a broadcast on, on, is God a narcissist? But it really, truly is for our protection and our well-being. He so loves us and wants us to, to know that he's good and kind and um, caring, nurturing. He just loves us so very much. And the, uh, the crucible of life, it, it really does give the opportunity that to, to come to him and to get to know him for who he is. Yeah. And he says, let go of fear. I've got this and feed on my faithfulness. So that is definitely some things that we can do when we come to him. Okay. So the, the book is um, for women mm-hmm. and in every stage of life. It doesn't have to be for women, but I'm a woman. And, and I express things as a woman, and I think that it's more relatable for a woman, uh, or it's very relatable for a woman, let's say. I don't know if it's more or not, but uh, I think anybody could, could benefit from the book, but I wrote yes. it with women in mind, yeah. Yes, yes. And what came to me with this book is that a young woman could be trained in how to do life well, yes. how to handle these challenges yes. well. Yes, and then a young friend of mine who is just graduating from college is reading through the book and she's getting so excited because uh, she's learning that there is so much more uh, to discover in her walk with God than what she has seen thus far, you know, uh, so that's good. Yeah, that is so good. That way we, we, we don't have to sit down in our despair. We don't have to sit down in hopelessness. We, uh, we, we can learn to process through things. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So let's uh, pull on your experience as a life coach. So 
Give me a, um, a scenario and how somebody could reframe what's going on with them. Oh, give me the scenario. You give me well, the scenario. We'll go well I, know, I know for sure the one that I will always remember is when your house burned down to the ground. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. 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 I mean, I was not a very... Uh, I wasn't very trained in hope back then, but <laughs> my house did burn down to the ground and I lost everything that I owned. Um, and at first it was so shocking. I mean, I was very thankful that nobody died. That was my first reaction is that we were all alive, but then we lost everything and it felt almost like we lost I know we didn't, but it felt like we lost our identity as a family because we went to live with another family and it was their home and their rules. And all of a sudden, it wasn't just the five of us. It was the 11 of us. And it kind of changes everything, you know. But um, it took a few days. But within a few days, I recognized that even though I had lost everything, every single piece of clothing, everything mm -hmm. I owned, I really had lo lost nothing. And, and, and that is so true to me. That is so true to me that I lost nothing because I didn't lose my God. I didn't lose my God. How could oh, I lose? Things, things will come and go. Things, everything comes and goes, but I lost nothing. I lost nothing. And I'm so much richer because my house burned down because he taught me that. He taught me that things are things and they come and they go and they're not who I am. So, um, yeah, he helped me to reframe that experience for sure. <laughs> wow. If, if somebody can reframe that experience in within a couple of days, say, I lost nothing, that somebody would look at you and say, what planet are you from? What do you mean you lost but nothing? But it's the truth. It's the truth. I really did lose nothing. <laughs> it's the very truth. Yeah. 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 Didn't you learn to walk one day at a time? Oh, yeah. 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 So I imagine that was one day on getting your clothing, getting your your food, getting your life back together. Yeah. I mean, it was a journey. It took a long time before we were back in our home, but we were so changed by it. I would not in a million years, in a, in a forever, I would never change that experience. I'm so, so thankful. Yeah. And I think it might be in this book, the story of how, when I lost the house, I think it is in here. And, uh, and so after each little vignette, I ask questions as a life coach, you know, and that that is basically for you, the reader, so that you can practice reframing your experience, whether your house burned down or whether whatever is going on, practice reframing it in view of God. Mm -hmm. And so um, you certainly don't have to fill in these papers, but this will help you train your heart to move into hope. Yeah, there's just some power in writing something down, isn't there? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. For me, it brings clarity. And I think for most people, but it also gets all of this out of my head. Whenever yes. it's all in my head, it's too much. It's yes. just too overwhelming. I just have to get it out, whether it's to go to God and speak it out, but often just writing it out and just saying exactly how I feel. Like when I go to God, I tell him exactly how I feel and I'm pouring out my heart. But we, we have to pour out our hearts, don't we? Yes, we do. We do. Yeah. Yeah, there's and, just and something. If you, 
the more you see that you and him, you are one. Like we, we join to him. It's not hard to open our hearts to him without holding back everything because he knows it all anyway. But when I know I'm perfectly, completely loved, no matter what, I don't have to fear running to him mm-hmm. with the good, the bad and the ugly, all of it, you know, because he knows it already and he can't wait for me to come so he can say, okay, I'm so glad you're here now. Let's deal with this, you know. Yeah, that's good. One thing I love about David is he came to God really raw and exactly how how it was. Whenever he had some questions or his heart was accusing God of not being good or whatever it was, he just he just spoke where he was and it was so healing because all of a sudden you see in his writing that his heart is changing and his heart at the end is completely different than it was at the beginning. There's really something absolutely powerful about going to God and talking to him about it right where we are at the moment. Yes. 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 Yeah. Yep. And then of course, um, you know, to come to, to somebody else that would carry our hearts. Well, there's, there's a strength in that, isn't there? Yep. It's all true. We just have to walk it, you know, one step at a time. Yeah. Yep. And you, you said about um, not minimizing somebody else's hurt. I, I think that's so powerful that if we're not, we're not going through it, or it seems like it's just a small thing to, to not diminish someone else yeah. that um, is, yeah. is heart crushing. So I wanted to say that that reminded me about this at the end of the book, the very end, <laughs> I think it's the last page, there's a little QR code. And if you if you scan it, then you would you will wind up in a Facebook group that I've created for people who are reading this book. And that's for that reason, because I'm thinking it's only going to be women and we can share our hearts and you might be able to share your heart with someone who lives in Australia. I don't know. I don't know what God will do with the book, you know, but but and. And hopefully the people, and I will monitor the group, I will be in there too, but hopefully people will not diminish uh, each other's pain, but will help each other. And it's not a group to talk about your pain. It's a group to talk about how God walks us through things. Mm -hmm. Oh, That's going to be a, a powerful thing. It really is. I know it is. Well, good. Well, how can we get your journal? So, um, if you live in Indiana, Pennsylvania, where, where Valerie is, it's available at the Book Nook and at the Paper Company, which is a lovely new little store. It's lovely. It sells books and it has tea and baked goods and uh, it's lovely. So the Paper Company and the Book Nook in Indiana, PA, and otherwise you can get it on Amazon. Oh, that is so great. That is so great. And what if they want to reach out to you by email or are you comfortable giving your email? I have that the last page of the book. My email is there because I want to be right there. I want to walk that walk with you because I'm walking it too. You know, we're all sisters. And then the Facebook group, of course. It's yeah, the Facebook there. group, I think, would probably be the, the best point of contact, wouldn't it? Email is fine too. Which okay. Whatever they want. Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, do you have any closing words on hope for us? All I want to say is hope is a choice. Hope is a choice. And I hope that if you read this book, you will make the choice to hope one step at a time. And you'll fall a few times, many times. And I still fall, you know, but we get up. And and hope is a choice. 
There's no magic. There's no magic in God and there's no magic anywhere. That's right. So it, it is a journey, isn't it? One day at a time. It is. One last thing I'd like to ask of you. Would you pray for all of us and whatever is on your heart will be just perfect? Sure, sure. Father, we're so glad. We're so glad that we belong to you and not ourselves, that you've taken us out of darkness into your light. And we're so glad that you gave us each other and we can walk this walk together. Thank you, Father, for those listening who don't know you yet. Lord, I pray that you would pierce their hearts in such a way that they would want what we have. Just like I looked at those faces and I wanted what they had. Father, pursue them with your unbelievable, amazing love. Pursue them to the place where they say that they want you. And for us who walk with you, I pray that you help us to hope better. Help us to make the choices to run to you with everything so that our hearts can be free. Free to worship you and free to enjoy this life that you have granted to us. We love you. You have become irresistible. And I love that, Father. I love that you are irresistible to my heart. I thank you for this time and I thank you for your hand upon all of our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much. It was such a perfect, perfect prayer. And he is just amazing, isn't he? He is. He is. He is. Well, I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to be with us. And I want to thank you for recording these snippets from your life. This really is such a precious journal. And um, I... I knew of at least five people I wanted to give it to right away, so I've gotten <laughs> five more copies, so that that is wonderful. But I, I just know that this is going to encourage a lot of lives, and it's I, a, it's a wonderful book. So. Pardon Thank me? Thank you, Valerie. I pray so. I pray that it does. Oh, yes, 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 yes. yes. Well, thank you, my friend. I have to say I miss you, but I'm happy you're in sunny Florida and happy for your this new chapter of your life. Thank so, you. Bye-bye. So I want to say God bless you. And for our listeners, I want to thank you for joining Barb and I on the broadcast today. We do pray that something you have heard has moved your heart. If you feel that stirring, don't ignore that stirring. Whatever it is directing you to do, act on it. Take that next step. And I believe that you will meet with God But also, because we were talking about hope, you will meet with the hope that you so need. So, thank you for joining me. God bless you, my friend.